Hey, welcome over in the in the venue. We're glad you guys are with us, and blessings on all of you that make that happen. And one of my favorite parts of, of Christmas is the nativity scene. Each year, like, like most of you, we pull it out of storage, and we dust it off, and we set it somewhere in our home. In fact, we, we've got three of them in our house. Got this one right as you kind of come in the door, and it's just a couple of figurines, and we have a nice, beautiful one on our uh, living room table, and then we've got a kind of a fun one in our family room. And the reason why I love the nativity scene is because of all that it represents. You know, we have a tree, and we've got lights on our tree, and we've got little ornaments on our tree, and some of those ornaments are meaningful. We have lights up around our home, and I, I don't want to be a braggart, but I was the first one in our neighborhood to get the Christmas lights up this year, you know, and you drive by our house, and the little lights are up, and not wrong with that, and Nothing wrong with wreaths, right? We all, you know, most of us probably put one up in our home. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But there is something very unique about the nativity scene. Uh, unlike trees and wreaths and, and all that kind of stuff, lights, it really does capture Christmas in a very, very unique way. Now, this nativity scene that's up here is very special. Last year when we were in Israel, uh, family uh, of ours, friends of mine, purchased this. It's all made out of uh, olive wood. This is one hunk of olive wood, all carved, hand-carved. It's really a piece of art, and uh, it's beautiful. And I asked if they would bring it down here, and they did. And uh, afterwards, come up and take a picture of it. Th this is worth more than some of your cars. It's really an unbelievable piece of art, and take pictures of it. Just don't touch it. <laughs> Otherwise, we may have a bigger deficit to make up in the budget uh, if you break something off or you do something. But it really is uh, uh, beautiful. Uh, now, obviously, the main character of the nativity scene is that little baby, right? It's Jesus. Jesus is the main character. You can't have a nativity scene without Jesus in it. But also, there, there are two other main characters, and that's Mary and Joseph. Hard to have an activity scene without them. You, you don't have to have the wise men. You don't have to have the donkeys. You don't have to have all that other stuff. But certainly Mary and, and, and Joseph are, um, are an important part of the nativity scene and all that it represents. In fact, the, the Christmas story isn't complete without Mary and Joseph. So today, I want to talk about the two of them. They, they were real people. It's not a mythological story. They were real people. They were people just like us. Obviously, they lived in a different era than, than we lived in. But they played a, a huge role in history, both Mary and Joseph. And so I, I want to walk through a, a couple of really familiar passages and just see what Christmas might have been like through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. And, and I'm going to start with uh, Mary. I want to look at Christmas through the eyes of Mary. It says this in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She, went, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So here we got the beginning of the story. You got this gal, she's engaged to be married, right? She's in love. She's got herself a man, and he's not just any man, but Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 tells us that he, tells us that he was a good man. He was a righteous man. He was a, a God-fearing man. He was a, a godly man. He was a, a man that 
you know, treated her real special, and we'll see more of that in, in just a moment. This was a great time in her life, had to be. My uh, daughter is getting married next March. She's engaged. She's in love. She's got herself a man. This is a special time in her life, and I couldn't help as I was studying it this week to kind of, you know, as I watch my daughter sit around and talk and think and cry and all the stuff that goes along with this, to think that, that had to be true of, of Mary to some degree. Obviously, being engaged was a little bit different back in biblical days than it is now. But certainly same with the, some of the same emotions were happening and going on. And this was a, a, a great time in, in her life. It was also a, a, a great time in Mary's life. And it's, um, it was kind of fun for me as I read the story and tried to put myself in that moment and what it must have, must have been like. But something happens in our story. In one split second, Mary's life changes forever. You see, Luke goes on and says this, Gabriel, who was the angel, appeared to Mary and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Now Mary's question here, how can this happen, I, I, I'm a virgin, it isn't an issue of unbelief. It's an issue of, of clarification. In other words, it's not that she doesn't believe what the angel is telling her. She, she's simply trying to figure out what's going on. Her mom, you know, her dad has told her about the birds and the bees. She knows how babies come into the world. And she knows she's never had sex with anybody. She knows she's a virgin. So she's, she's trying to figure out how is this all gonna go down? What, what, what are you talking about? Now one of the things that I like about this moment that's recorded for us is that God doesn't get all upset with Mary because she asks a question. And I want you to think about this. Here she says, wait a minute, what, what, what do you mean? How, how can I have a, a child? I'm a virgin. And one of the things you see is that God doesn't get all upset and get angry. How dare you question my angel? All you're to do is just hear and just do it and don't ask any questions, you know. You're not allowed to do that. The, the God that's revealed between these two leather-bound covers is okay with you respectfully coming and asking him questions. He's okay with that. His shoulders are, are big enough to handle your thoughts, your concerns, or you know whatever it might be. Listen, when something goes down in your life that doesn't make sense to you or causes you to freak out a little or whatever, God's okay with you respectfully coming and talking to him about it. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter four, don't be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I think this is exactly what Mary was doing here. She's a little anxious, right? Maybe a lot anxious, and so she has a request. How can I be pregnant? I, I've never had sex with anyone. I'm a virgin. Uh, I've never been with a man before. Joseph and I have kept ourselves pure. Beloved, I don't know what's you know, going on in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with right now, but I do know this. God doesn't want you to panic over it. God doesn't want you to get all freaked out and all anxious and all that kind of stuff. He simply wants, to, wants you to come to him. He wants you to do what Mary did. Just, hey, I, I, God, I'm just respectfully coming. I got a question. I got a thought. I got a concern. God, I lost my job. How, how am I going to make the rent payment, God? How, how am I going to feed my family this month, God? I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Hey, God, I lost my business. I tried to build it on godly principles, and for whatever reason, it just, it just didn't work, and I'm nervous, God. I'm anxious. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe, maybe you or someone you love has just found out they got cancer. Man, nothing will kidney punch you like that, right? Nothing like getting that, you know, report. And, and instead of freaking out and panicking and all that kind of stuff, just go to God. Just do what Mary did and say, hey, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm a little bit confused. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my spouse, my children, whatever it might be? Maybe your teenager's gone off the deep end. Maybe your parents are, are getting a divorce. I don't know what it is, but here's the deal. I know that God wants you to come to him respectfully and just share what's on your heart. God wants you to do that. God longs for you to do that. And the reason why I'm sharing this is, I think one of the reasons why many of you don't do that is because you think God's just, you know, he's just sitting on a chair and he's just waiting. And he's just waiting for you to come. And he's waiting for you to ask something and man he's ready to just tear you up and that's the impression that you have of him but that is not the God that's revealed in this book God wants you as his as your heavenly father to respectfully come and just share what's on whatever's going on in your life whatever's on your heart just just talk with him about it he he, he enjoys that he likes that sat in my office this week and I, I tried to imagine what was running through Mary's mind. I mean, here you've got this young virgin who's just been told she's pregnant with God's baby, you know, the long-awaited Messiah. I tried to think about maybe some of the, the questions that must have been running through her head. I just have to believe she was thinking, man, is this engagement going to make it? What are others going to think? I mean, that'd probably be a natural thing. You know, all of a sudden there's going to come a moment you're going to be showing and you're going to be walking through town and people are going to have thoughts and opinions. I'm sure she thought to herself, man, how, how's Joseph going to respond? 
I wonder what she thought about her dad. She was going to have to go to, you know, to the old man. Say, hey, Dad. Okay, what's going on? How would he respond? I wonder if she was thinking to herself, am I going to have a normal family? I mean, you know, if it's God's baby, how's this all going to work out? I mean, how, you know, do I burp him? Do I, you know, do I, you know, what, what, what do you do with God's baby? Or maybe he won't burp. You know, I mean, he's God, and maybe, you know, do I have to feed him? Maybe he's all, you know, how's this all going to, I mean, imagine some of the thoughts that must have been running through her mind. This had to be a, a really weird time to go from I'm getting married and there's all this excitement and joy about it to all of a sudden this angel shows up and says, you're the, you're the one. You're, you're the one who's going to have the long-awaited Messiah. Now, God does something really cool. He, he has the angel remind Mary of an important truth. Look at verse 37. God could have had the angel share anything he wanted to with Mary at this moment. But this was what God wanted the angel to share with this young gal. This was it. The angel says to Mary, for nothing is impossible with God. How can this be? I'm a virgin. I've never had sex. We've honored what your word has said. We've kept ourselves pure. What's going to happen here? And the angel says, Mary, nothing's impossible with God. The angel reminds Mary of one of the great truths in all of the Bible, and, that, and that's the truth that God is all-powerful, which means he can do anything he wants anytime he wants. And the angel is reminding Mary of this great biblical truth, this great theological truth, that there is nothing that's impossible for God. Now, I want you to know that there are all kinds of things that are, in, you know, are impossible with men, with people. There are some things that are impossible for your spouse to pull off. There are some things that are impossible for your parents to pull off. There are some things that are impossible for your pastor to pull off. But the Bible says nothing's impossible for God. Let me share with you one of the things that's impossible for you to do. Now, people have tried to do it throughout the ages, but it's totally impossible. Here it is. It's impossible for you to save yourself. Now, now, as I said, since the beginning of time, uh, when Adam in Genesis chapter 3 sins in the garden, immediately you see Adam and Eve trying to save themselves. They get some fig leaves and sow them and put them in all the right spots. They were trying to justify themselves. They were trying to make themselves righteous. They were trying to make themselves holy. They were trying to deal with their sin. In fact, really, right there in Genesis, in those first few chapters of Genesis, you see the first man-made religion. And ever since then, you see mankind trying to figure out ways to make themselves right, to deal with their guilty consciences and all those kinds of things. But the problem is there's nothing you or I can do to fix the problem of sin. It's impossible for us to save ourselves. God said this to the prophet Jeremiah, can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? And the answer is no. Can a leopard change, you know, take away his spots? And the answer is no. And then the great prophet says, neither can you start doing good, for you've always done what is evil. We're just sinful people. 
It's totally impossible for you to save yourself. It's totally impossible for you to live in such a way that would please God enough that he would let you into heaven. Heaven's a perfect place, right? And there's no way he can let any of us in this room into a perfect place because all of us in here are imperfect. And if God were to let us as imperfect people into heaven, it would take about what, 1.2 seconds for heaven to be much like earth, right? It would just be polluted and corrupt with all kinds of sin and junk. So there's no way we're, we're, we're gonna get there. We, we cannot save ourselves. The Bible says for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. In other words, we've all blown it, we've all disobeyed God. We all have done things we wish we hadn't done. We've all said things that we wish we hadn't said. We all have reg regrets, we all have guilt. We all have things we've done that we just knew were wrong. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he's turned away and he's not even gonna listen anymore. Sin had an unbelievable consequence in all of our lives. It separated us from God, it made heaven unattainable and it's impossible for us to fix the problem. Sin messed everything up. But here's the good news. It's impossible for you to save yourself, but nothing is impossible with God. That's the good news, is that God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Listen to what the great prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 32. Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Psalms 115 says, our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. He's not concerned about what pleases you. All he cares about is what pleases him and he does whatever he wants. You see, it's impossible for you to go to heaven unless you believe in the God of the impossible. Listen, it pleased God to send his son Jesus to make it possible for you and I to go to heaven. The Bible says in 1 John chapter five, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life. God has given us the opportunity to go to this perfect place called heaven. We can, we can spend our eternity with him in heaven. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. Beloved, the Bible wasn't written to trick anybody. It's pretty straightforward. Now there's a lot of things in here that we may not all agree on, but the central story is easy to understand that God made us, he created us in his image. We sinned against him. It severed the relationship that we had with him, our sin. We couldn't save ourselves, but God so loved us that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. This time of year, we celebrate that moment where the son came. The son lived for 33 and a half years or so and he voluntarily went to a cross and he dies on that cross for us as the payment for our sins. They put him into a tomb. Three days later, he walked out of the grave proving that he was who he said he was and that is the son of God. And now he's at the right hand of the father interceding for us. And the Bible says that if you would put your trust in the Son, 
If you would humble yourself and give your life to the Son, if you would invite the Son into your life, everything changes because now you have the Son of the God who can do the impossible who lives within you. And Jesus was holy. Jesus was righteous. And now you have that holy and righteous Son of God within you. And by virtue of your relationship with Jesus, guess what? God no longer sees your sin. And now he can take you to that perfect place that's without sin. But it's only through a relationship with the Son. And this is what I'd like to do, just real quick. Over in the venue and in here, would you just close your eyes real quick? Just, just close your eyes and kind of tweak things up a little bit last night, but, but just close your eyes. If you're here, I know most of you have given your life to the Son. You have the Son, so you have the life. Your sins have been forgiven. You're going to go to heaven. But I know that there are some of you here and, and you haven't given your life to Christ. Maybe it's never made sense to you, but at this moment, right here, through the power of God's Holy Spirit, God is opening your eyes up to the truth. It's God doing it. It's not me. It's God. He's the one who's opening your eyes right now to the truth about who Jesus was. And at all of our gatherings, last night, last hour, there have been many people who have given their life to Christ. And I want to give you a chance. If, if you'd like to invite Jesus Christ into your life right now, know that he would forgive you of your sins. I want to lead you in a prayer. Just pray this inside your heart. You've got to mean it. You've got to mean it. Just say, dear Jesus, I'm humbling myself before you right now. I'm but a mere man or a mere woman. And you are the son of God. And I'm humbling myself before you. And I recognize that my sin has done way, way big damage. And I need you. Come into my life. My life is yours. Cleanse me of my sin. Help me to live humbly before you. You're now my God. While your heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Just real quick. Obviously, in the venue, I'm not going to be able to see. But if you prayed that, raise your hand real quick. Just let, let me see it. Make sure I, I can see it. Yeah, right here in front. Good. Man, a whole bunch of you right up there. Yeah. How about over here? Make, make, make sure I see it. You can look up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, right over here. All right. All right. Everybody look up here real quick. In the venue, you can look up. Here's the deal. Um, on those cards, that communication card that you had, if you'd do me this favor, there were a bunch of hands that went up. <laughs> I don't know whether this decision was genuine or not. I don't know. I don't know whether you really meant it. But you indicated you made some sort of profession of faith. And would you take your little card, that little card you know you filled out, and put a little star up in the corner? And those will all be given to me. In fact, I got all of them from last night and today already. And, and they're, they're for me. I'm not going to show up at your door. Hey! Thanks for putting a star in the corner. That's, that's the nightmare before Christmas uh, as, I, as I show up at your house. Um, but I do want to at least, you know, 
do my best to help you unpack this decision. Everybody in here made a decision at some moment. And, and it took a lot of years to kind of unpack it and help you understand who Jesus is and what all does this mean. It's more than just a prayer. And I want to just hip hip array and maybe send you something and, and invite you to come to a class that I, I, I teach in January called the Follow Class. It's a great place to begin this journey of learning. I mean, there's a lot to, to learn about, about this God that you just met. And so please take a moment and fill that card out. Will you do that? And uh, th th this is, this is what, it, what, it, what I'd like to do before I move off of Mary. There's a great song, many of us have heard it, that just asks a number of great questions of this gal. And I'd like for you to, to hear it before we move on to, to, to Joseph, okay?
I've been working with Scott and his singing, uh, and it's paying off. That boy can sing. Thanks, Tim. You can play too, brother. Um, you know, what a, aren't there just some great questions? It's a great song. I don't know who wrote it, but man, just that song never gets old for me to hear those things. And, and before I move on to Joseph, let me just say this, okay? And I want to say this as respectfully as I can, because I know we have all kinds of people here. As great as Mary was, and, and she was a great woman, I mean, to be chosen to be the one who would carry the Son of God, that's a pretty big honor. You can't deny that. I mean, that, that's just unbelievable. But there was a moment when Mary was inside her mama's womb and God put her together. And uh, when she came into the world, you know, she, she was every bit as sinful as any of you. Sinful like me. And she needed a Savior too. The weird thing is that she was carrying the Savior. But she needed the Savior. She needed Jesus. She needed Jesus to come into her life and to cleanse her of her sin. And as neat as Mary is, let me just tell you, she doesn't answer any of your prayers. You might as well just pray to me. She didn't answer anybody's prayers. Mary didn't die on a cross for anybody's sins. Jesus did. Mary doesn't save anybody. It's Jesus. And I will go as far as, as to say this. I think it's blasphemous for people to teach that somehow Mary listens to your prayers or somehow she's a part of redeeming your life. And that may sound a little harsh to some of you. It's Jesus. He's the one. And I'm obviously, Mary's a very special person. No, there's no doubt about that. But she's a person. Now I just want to quickly run through maybe Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. Um, believe it or not, you know that there's not one recorded word in Scripture from Joseph? Did you know that? There's nothing in the Scriptures where Joseph says anything. <laughs> now, an angel talks to him. And he does what the angel says, but there's no recorded word. Every other person that you see in the nativity scene, it's the shepherds, they do their thing. Mary's got a lot to say, you know. Everybody's got stuff. Nothing's recorded. Not one word from the lips of Joseph. But we can learn a lot from his life, though, because there's lots recorded about him. Matthew chapter one says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And once again, you know, much like Mary, you have to believe that Joseph was excited. I can see my future son-in-law, Brandon, and he's excited. I mean, who wouldn't be excited to be a part of my family? <laughs> that alone. Get anybody excited. It's um, probably why it took my daughter so long to find somebody. <laughs> Say, oh man, last thing I want is to be around that guy. But I see him, he's excited. Joseph had to have been excited, don't you think? I mean, he's in love and he's engaged and man, I mean, he's got this really neat, special gal. She's a godly gal. And obviously, 
Messiah hasn't come, and so what godliness looked like in the Old Testament, if you will, was different than now. But she's a godly woman. She's young. I'm sure to Joseph, was, you know, she was beautiful and all that kind of stuff. I have no doubt that he was dreaming about the honeymoon. I think all guys do. But here's the deal. Out of nowhere... Um, this gal he loves and he cares so much about is going to blow his mind. She comes to him and says, I need to tell you something, Joseph. I'm pregnant. And you know you're not the father because you've honored what God's word said. You've kept yourself in your relationship pure. You know you're not the father. I don't know if he heard anything beyond that, the first go around. What? What are you talking about? What do you mean you're pregnant? And it's just going to get worse, right? But Joseph, the baby is God's baby. The Holy Spirit has come upon me. I'm pregnant by God. I actually have God's baby within me. Do, do you think he probably thought, you're, you're having a psychotic break? I mean, I mean, here's the deal. Before you get here, there's a whole story. As beautiful and as unbelievable as the nativity scene is that you have up in your home or wherever, to get to this moment where the baby's born and all that and all the donkeys are around, there's a whole story that's really just so compelling. I mean, she's just given Joseph, you know, two kidney punches. Boom, I'm pregnant. Boom, it's by God. Joseph's life has just gone from absolutely unbelievable, I'm getting married, to a total bummer in a nanosecond. Imagine the, the, the shock, the, the pain, the disappointment. All your, your dreams are gone, your, your plans are ruined. Men, imagine you know, the, the girl of your dreams, the girl that you're engaged to be married to, coming to you and saying, honey, I need you to sit down because I've got to tell you something. The Holy Spirit has come upon me and I'm pregnant with God's baby. Beloved, Joseph's got to be thinking my future wife's insane. She's had a psychotic break. I mean, it's bad enough that she had sex with some other man, but she's blaming it on God. This is crazy. And I think verse 19, we clearly see that Joseph wasn't buying it. It says, Joseph, her fiance, was a good man. He was a righteous man. He was a God-honoring man, a God-fearing man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Obviously, Joseph isn't buying the story, is he? But there is something that we see in that moment about this man that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's this. Joseph was a man of great character. When you study this story, you can't miss how beautiful Joseph's character was. I mean, he's come to the conclusion that his future wife has cheated on him and has had some weird thoughts 
That's why he wants to move on with his life, but he's a good man. He's a righteous man. He's a man of great character, and he doesn't want to cause Mary any more harm or embarrassment than what is necessary. You see, to be unwed mother in that culture was a total disgrace, and Joseph knew that she was going to have a tough time, so he's trying to figure out a way to leave her without making a big stink about it. I mean, in Joseph's mind, there's another man out there that's the dad of this child, and it's his responsibility to raise the child, you see. And so he's trying to figure out a way, how, how, how do I end this thing in such a way that I'm not, he, he already knows harm's going to be caused. He already knows she, she's in for a tough go. But he's trying to figure out, man, I, I don't want to make it any worse than it has to be. Beloved, this is unbelievable. I mean, most men, because of jealousy or embarrassment or whatever, would have come unglued, right, and blown their tops. Most men would have made Mary pay for her unfaithfulness by saying all kinds of crummy things about her, right? Most men would have talked trash about her to her friends or to anybody that would have listened, right? Most men, if they would have had Facebook or Twitter back then or whatever, they would have posted all kinds of horrible things about her, right? Isn't that what we see today? Unfortunately, we see a lot of Christians today. But not this guy. This guy was really unique. I mean, even though he didn't believe her, even though he thought she was lying, even though he thought that she had slept with some other man, he responds in a God-honoring, gentle way. He responds with incredible self-control. He responds in a way that everybody who's a believer should respond. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing um, what your sinful nature craves. And now we're going to see a little bit about what the sinful nature looks like. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that we're not free to carry out our good intentions. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, Anyone that lives that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the first thing Paul does is, is he says, hey, look, let me tell you what it looks like when your flesh is in control. And he gives us a list of things. And that's not a comprehensive list, but it's a pretty good list. Then Paul says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there's no such law. Well, when you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph when, when you see how he treated Mary, you see a man that um, was not controlled by his flesh. He was not controlled by the, the sinful nature. You see a man who believed in God, he had a fear of God, he had humbled himself before God, and he allowed God to control his life. And ladies, look, that's the kind of man you need to look for. 
And for us men, that's the kind of men God wants us to be. Men who don't allow our flesh just to lead us and guide us and you know, whatever, but we allow the Holy Spirit that indwells us to lead us and guide us. I want you to think about this. Joseph thinks, and rightly so, that Mary's been unfaithful to him. And the, and the law said this. The law said that she should be stoned for her sin. The law was crystal clear. There was no wiggle room. Yet Joseph extends to Mary exactly what that baby in Mary's womb was going to extend to the, extend to the whole world, you and I. And that was grace. The law said, take her to the outskirts of town and stone her. But what Joseph does is Joseph extends grace to this woman. Exactly what that baby inside Mary was going to do to all of us. Extend us grace. None of us deserve to have our sins forgiven. None of us deserve any of that. But God extends that grace to all of us. One of the things I love about this story is that Joseph doesn't panic, doesn't, Joseph doesn't curse God, he doesn't get angry and bitter, he doesn't reach for a pill, he doesn't lock himself up in the bathroom, he doesn't call for his rabbi, he calmly begins to think through his options, and based on the information that he has, he makes the decision that he believes is the in the best benefit for Mary. He extends her grace. The second thing I want to point out about Joseph is this, Joseph was a man that engaged his mind. Verse 20 says, as he considered this, as he considered leaving Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And I want you to underline that phrase as he considered this, or in your Bible or your notes or whatever, because this is really good. You see, this seems to indicate that before Joseph pulled the trigger to end the relationship with Mary, which was an act of grace, he once again thought about it. He pondered his decision. He just didn't rush into it. I mean, this was a weighty matter, and he wanted to make sure that he was making the right decision, the most God-honoring decision he could, so he engages his mind. He pondered it again. And it was in the midst of engaging his mind that God shows up and speaks to him through this angel. And one of the things we can, we can learn here in this little moment of time is that, at least in our generation, at least here in America, one of the things that we Americans tend to do, especially American Christians, is we don't engage our mind enough. We don't ponder things enough. We don't think about them enough. And what we do is we simply run on emotions. If it feels good, we do it, right? We just, we just don't ever engage our minds. We don't ever go, hey, wait a minute, look, I'm gonna make this decision about X, Y, Z, but before I do it, I, I gotta engage my mind here. God, what is it that you have to say about this issue? What is it, God? I know how I feel. I, I, I feel like this, or I feel like that, or whatever, and I'm glad I have feelings. God gives us feelings. But as I often tell you, our feelings don't have any IQ. You, you can't educate your feelings. They just are what they are. Most of the time, they're simply irrational. That's why God gave us a mind, our brains. It's the truth that sets us free. One of the things I want to encourage all of you, my brothers and sisters, 
to, to do is engage your mind. And some of you are brand new in the faith, and, and man, this is a big book, and there's lots of stuff in here, and you don't know a lot about it. Before you make a decision about your life or about your family or whatever, if you're not sure what the Bible says, engage your mind enough to at least call the church, talk to an elder, talk to a pastor. Hey, listen, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about doing that. Does God's word weigh in on that? Is there anything that God's word would say to me or my family about this? And let us share. Yeah, you know, God's word does say something about that. Here's what God's word says. Oh. Sometimes, you know, maybe God's word doesn't weigh in on it. But I, I know we're quick to make decisions based upon our emotions. I want you to look at the life of Joseph and see a man that engaged his mind. He pondered things. He thought about it. He wanted to make sure he, he was doing what, what God wanted. It's easy to do what our parents want, what our friends want, what the world wants, what Hollywood wants, what the music industry wants. That's easy. They're bombarding us with all their junk. For those of us that name the name of Christ, we need to engage our mind and try to figure out what God wants, you see. The Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's this. And I recognize that... Um, because all of us have been there. There was a time I didn't know anything. I just knew I was saved. But that's why Bible studies were important. Having a mentor was important. So I could begin to learn more and more because this is the light unto my path. It'll, it'll help me get, navigate life. All areas of life, not just how you get saved. And so if you're young in the Lord or maybe you've known the Lord a long time and frankly you just haven't studied the word like you probably should have, this church is filled with godly people who can give you some counsel, give you some wisdom, who can help you determine maybe what God's word has to say. See? And the third thing I want to point out about Joseph is this, is Joseph was a man that did what God told him to, to do. Matthew 1, verse 24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. In other words, Joseph was obedient. He was an obedient man. He was a man of great character. He was a man who engaged his mind, and when God told him to do something as crazy and as weird and as freaky as it must have been, you know what? He just simply said, okay, I'm a God-fearing man, I'm gonna do it. Even though I'm sure, <laughs> could you imagine walking around town, you got your Mary with you and she's all pregnant? No, no, really, um, it's God's baby. We both heard from an angel. Uh, no one's believing you, nobody. And yet here was a guy who said, okay, God, I, I, I'm gonna obey you. And so he must have found Mary and said, Mary, here's the deal, man. I was ready to dump you. But I, that angel showed up to you. He showed up at my, my place. And I don't get it, and I don't understand it, and this doesn't make much sense to me. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow what God says. I couldn't help but think that maybe he thought back to the great prophet Isaiah's words where Isaiah said, God said this through Isaiah, my, my thoughts aren't like your thoughts, Joseph. 
My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine, Joseph. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. And maybe he thought back to that. I'm sure he knew the scrolls of Isaiah. And maybe he's going, you know what, God, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but your ways are higher than mine, and your thoughts are higher than mine, and it, but, but all that matters is, is what you, you have to say. And back then, obviously, God spoke to people through angels and all of that. Today, we got something far greater than an angel. We actually have his word. People running around trying to hear from angels. Just pick this up. Listen to this. God, we're, we're very fortunate that we have the Word of God. In fact, you're so fortunate to have the Word of God, you probably got six of them at your house in all different kinds of versions. And if you don't, I'll, I can give you at least one version. And when you read the Word of God and you hear from God, be like Joseph and just be a doer of the Word. Just do it. Joseph was an, 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 an incredible man. And here's the deal. Uh, Scott and um, uh, Tim are going to come out, and there, there's a, a song that I, I want you to hear that I think will kind of tie together, you know, the life of, of, of Joseph, I think, in a really neat way, and then I'll come back up, and, and I'll, I'll make a, a statement, okay? Savior in his arms, he must have thought why. 
such a strange way to save the world. <laughs> and why well, isn't that the truth? Just a strange way. And I hope that um, somehow, as you gather with your families or friends or whatever, and you look at your nativity scene, whether it's as elaborate as this or just something simple that you might think about Mary, a little differently, maybe Joseph a little bit differently. But um, certainly don't let either one of them get in the way of that baby. Because that baby is going to grow up and live a perfect life, sinless life. Going to get to about 33 years of age and he's going to voluntarily go to a cross and die for you. They're going to put him into a tomb and three days later he's going to walk out of that tomb proving that he is the Son of God. And he's going to offer life, eternal life, life with him forever if you just humble yourself before him. Recognize who you are and compared to him and invite him into your life. I want everybody to stand. Everybody stand over in the venue. And this is what I want everybody to do is take those cards. We're not done yet. Just want you to pass those cards in towards the center, okay? Just pass them in towards the center. And whoever ends up with them on the center, you're going to leave them on a chair, but I want you to close your eyes. When, those, when you pass the cards and they go by, just close your eyes for just one last moment. And I want to end by just hearing the, the Word of God together, okay? That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all of the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. 
And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has just told us about. And so they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Father, thank you for a great weekend here at Big Valley. I've enjoyed every bit of it. I've enjoyed the Saturday night and today. Enjoyed having all the kids up here. So thankful for Scott and Natalie and their hard work that they put in to getting our, these kids prepared. And enjoyed the songs. I've enjoyed the giving. I've enjoyed the, the proclamation of your word. I, I've enjoyed talking about Mary and Joseph. I pray, Lord, that as we leave, God, that somehow we wouldn't forget the nativity. These three unbelievable characters, Mary, Joseph, and, and you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said. Amen. Okay, just leave those cards right there on the edges up by your seats, and uh, the ushers will pick them up here in a moment. Blessings. <laughs>